Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Hi, I'm Dean, and I've seen every episode of BSG. Hi, I'm Matthew, and I haven't seen any episode of BSG. On this week's episode, we bring you Season 1, Episode 4, titled Act of Contrition. What are you doing here, Kara? You can't wash them out in their first day. I just did. Look, I've got 40 vipers and 21 pilots. That's it. We are sitting ducks until we finish water ops. We can't even maintain a cap. Gods forbid the Cylons show up. Gods forbid. Let's bring in the next group of candidates. The next group has never even been in a cockpit. They're starting basic flight. Well, then they start basic flight because that group is done. Cessa right there, maybe you should read it again. Lieutenant Thrace, this is not a request. Well, Captain Adama, I am the flight instructor, sir. My word is scripture, sir. I will not, repeat not, pass another student who isn't ready. So that's what this is about. It's not them. It's Zach. Spicy scene. Surpassy stuff from a Starbuck and a Lee. Oof. You know, it just dawned on me, uh, this episode, listening listening to that intro before we talk here, that I'm a, I'm a filthy liar in that intro from the miniseries on. I have seen. I'm on the sixth episode of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> the hell? Well, I don't count the miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> just like nobody else does. They don't call it. Like, in other words, uh, episode, I know Hulu calls episode 33 episode 3 but they're wrong i'm sorry the miniseries Stupid is not fucks yeah and if you go if you go to battlestar wiki it says as much it says that this is episode 4 so that's what we're going off of uh we so are. we're here how you doing today matthew i am a good a quite good yeah that's Mostly matthew good. i'm dean and this is act of contrition the fourth god damn it the fourth <laughs> go. count them four <laughs> The fourth episode of the season one of Battlestar Galactica reimagined. Nice. And uh, boy, what a little gear changer. What a different type of approach this week. But I'm very much excited to talk about it. And uh, typically what we do here is we uh, we will start with some opening impressions and thoughts. And if I have any prompting questions, I'll drop them. Then we will get to our trivia which is that Matthew is asked at the end of each episode a couple of teasery questions that get you excited for the next episode, Mm -hmm. and uh, we get into the answers. And then after that, we will explicate our way through the episode. And then, of course, we will close out with some final thoughts and projections, etc. And just as a reminder, me, that's Dean, has seen these episodes. Matthew has not And uh, Mm -hmm. it creates an interesting conversation, at least we think so. And if you don't well, then go frack yourself. (laughs) This is week to week for me. This is literally like a brand new on-television airing show right now. I am not looking forward to anything. I I swear, I still am being militant about these rules. I do not look up fucking anything else. So I truly do go into these trivia questions blind. And as you will be able to see from my answers that we'll hear in just a moment, I am definitely blind. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I know. The only thing you would possibly have spoiled on, because this happens to me on Hulu, is, is that sometimes when title. You, yeah. Yeah. It's they, annoying. They, they put it up so fast, I can't exit the screen right. quick enough. Right, right. Yeah. But they're, 
they're fairly elusive, the episode titles. I mean, you really have to you really have to get in there, but knowing that you know the episode titles will make me adjust slightly. I really, you know, game. yeah. And I look forward to the one-star review we get from the neckbeard who cannot stand that. He is a liar. He is not truly completely a blank slate. He knows the episode titles. <laughs> Neckbeards. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good God. Get on a boat and do me a favor. <laughs> All right. So why don't we get right into some initial impressions for act of contrition? And uh, let me prompt you a little, unless you want to go freeform, unless you got a lot of opening stuff that you want to say. I've got some, but no, but I'm curious about your prompt. Go ahead. So what I want to throw at you is this. One of the things the Wikipedia article or the Battlestar Wiki article says about this is that... the skill with a foreign place, I'll never know. You'll never know. Uh, You can't even go back and look at old episodes because there's too many spoilers in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, This episode emphasizes many of the goals set at the series creation to make a sci-fi series that is grounded in realism. The logistical limitations of the fleet are readily apparent. This episode highlights how difficult it is for Galactica to train new combat-ready pilots as there are no reserve pilots and civilians with little or no prior flying experience are all that they have to work with. And it goes on and on. But, um, you know, it talks about how it shows some accidents simply just happen. I think that's uh, an interesting theme that makes its way into this episode. That's the first time we're dealing with a pure accident that has cost the fleet resources. And uh, I wanted to see if, can you think of anything off of the top of your head where an accident becomes a focal point in a television science fiction series? I can't think of any off the top of my head, and I should have prepared on that ahead of time. <laughs> but I I'm about know, to say because I'm going to disappoint because nothing is springing to mind. I, look, I know random things happen. Uh, I guess the best way for me to say it is this: there are accidents that occur in things like Star Trek a lot, where oh no, this buckle thing lets go, the warp core gets wacky, or we're too close <laughs> to this. Sh- you know, cosmic string and we get stuck in it or we're in this thing and now there are nightmares and stuff's going wacky. (laughs) But this is purely just a chaotic moment on the deck. Heisenbergian, anything that can go wrong will and who could have seen it coming, yeah. Right, a bad strap, let's go. Next thing you know, a comm drone blasts off and kills a bunch of people. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, what a what an interesting way to open it up. What do you think overall about active contrition? Um, I'll say this. Overall, there's a lot I like in this episode, but I think this is the weakest episode that's come so far. I I I'm, I actually really did not like this opening. Uh the the idea of an accidental death uh being a pivotal thing, that's interesting. I like the the dealing with uh having to recruit these very unqualified people to be pilots in a pinch. Like, that's all good. Sure. But the the literal opening itself, the way it's shot, the music, the the pilots coming out, the how how jokey and silly, you know, uh, Lee and Starbuck are being together, it felt so radically departed from the previous episode that I was like, is this a flashback? Is this like is this like them in Academy before uh, before stuff actually went wrong? And they're back on Caprica right now, and they're being silly as cadets. And I, I see Lee's face all beat up from last week. And I'm like, no, no, this is current. This is current time. And they're so silly. It felt so cartoonish and strange. And then, of course, like all the pilots being held up like it was a fucking Jewish wedding. They're fucking ah, and they're all so happy. And then you know, it just felt really weird to me. I actually, on first view, was like, oh. 
not into this. I really didn't like it. I'm okay with it a little more in the second viewing, and the rest of the episode I think is pretty strong. But yeah, the first two, three minutes of this, I was actually kind of put off. <laughs> wow. I did not expect to hear that, but that's awesome. I'm glad that you have a, uh, a differing opinion, and I like where you're coming from here. So what it sounds like is, is that the opening took you by surprise because of the behavior and with Starbuck and Lee. Yeah, and I and you know, silly and spilling the paint, and then exactly, you you yeah. didn't like the celebration for flat top. You thought that that was kind of weak. I thought it was just a little over the top. It was, and maybe, and okay, and like I can hear already, like build a logic. I'm like, why are they acting like this? Okay, well, this is their first chance to even celebrate in a long time after so much horrible stuff. Maybe they really are going through the roof because what else do they have to celebrate about? Yeah, I, I buy that string of logic. But I still think it's a weird, jarring place to come in. And that, I also understand that was probably the effect they're trying to go for. Yes. Of, wow, this moment of, like, happiness. And it's like this, uh, you know, intoxicating moment of we all get to be joyous about it. And then it's felled by a terrible thing. And it bringing them back to all of their old demons. And again, that's that's all decent ideas. I guess I just didn't like the over-the-top way, even the way in which, you know, 13 pilots are killed, seven more in the sick bay, it felt a little bit like a sloppy, we have to really dent their numbers, so let's let's get them all in one easily missable, missile, missileable spot and missile them all for the sake of the story. And, like, I, I would have liked the idea that, you know, like a real-life accident where maybe uh, some raptors are out on patrol and we just hear them over radio go out and they just never hear them again. They just never come back. We never even understand what happened and just go, fuck, we just lost eight pilots. What are we going to do? You know, sure. d- maybe something more low-key. Like just the way that it was built up, it, it felt silly. It just really did feel like silly to me. Well, there you go. So not high on the opening for sure, but you say not. you feel that it recovers as it goes on or – or, or what do you I think do. about that? Yeah, no, I like I like where it goes as it goes on, and I mean, especially because it is a it's our first really Starbuck focused, you know, Starbuck heavy episode. And I was into, I wanted to get into her backstory and and see where she's coming from, and I like I like that it's very much Starbuck Lee and Adama's story this time around. It's a little more focused. Yeah, we get a look in on Rosalind. We see Gaius for a second, but I like that it's focused on her. I really like how it ends and where we're set up going. That's it's all great. I mean, I'm into a lot of this, and um, you know, the best stuff is also the worst stuff in the the very tragic. You know, the most. You know, it's funny. The most moving scene of any episode so far has also been in this one for me. Yep. The interactions between Starbuck and Adama, like damn near, had me welling up. Like that was great, and it hurt, and it's it's a wonderful scene. But uh, boy, rough open. <laughs> Rough open. All right. All right, man. Awesome. So here's what, uh, this episode is an episode I always remember favorably when I think back on the first time I saw it. And, um, excuse me. I, uh, I thought it, I never thought too much about the opening until you're saying what you're saying now, but I do like the idea that this is a careless accident that I could imagine happening on a Galactica but at the same time, I almost feel like, boy, this this could have happened maybe right around the episode thirty three, right? Maybe yeah. if you put something like thirty, maybe you put something like this near thirty three, and you slide and you slide the water episode out one, you could almost believe like, all right, they're totally sleep yes. deprived; they're not paying attention. The fact that the chief, who even says, "I've never had a death on my deck." To now have 13 pilots dead, I mean, that is <sighs> a, in an accident where something tips over and, and you got an explosion, 
that's something where in other circumstances, the, the chief of the deck is suspended for a long yeah, time. And he's, right. and they try to figure out this, how can you be loading comm drones while he comes off when they have this kind of destructive capability? Seriously. I think if you start to scrutinize this part, if I think it, I think it, I think it can be hold up a little. But on yeah. the flip side, I, I imagine that we now are have a ragtag fleet. We now have left it less than fifty. This is the the human race fleet is yeah. the way yeah. you have to look at it. It's the human race fleet for for as far as we know. I mean, we don't know if any other Battlestar survived. We don't know if any other planets have gotten anyone off planet. We don't know anything about that. And you know, and I get. I like what you were saying about if this were in the that realm of of 33, you know, that everybody's tired, they're exhausted and things are getting sloppy and they can't help it. You know, and that I I actually kind of like that a little better myself and I get the the place they were going here. The, they made a tonal choice of let's show them joyous and celebrating and then that gets ruined, you know, so they even they can't they only barely taste happiness and victory and it gets ripped away from them by, you know, the chaos of circumstances. Sure. So I get that choice. I just it really even comes down to just direction and the way it was shot and the the music behind it for me. I just didn't like those choices. That's it. Just sure. wasn't in my yeah. taste. Yeah, you know, it's funny because this this episode is uh, directed by a man named Rod Hardy, and it's written by a Bradley Thompson and a David Weddle. And the sequel, "You Can't Go Home Again," as you know, is a it's it's a fucking. It's a it's a to be continued. Yeah, totally different writer and director. Weird, right? And I wondered, and I, and I wondered, like, is that normal in television? I don't know the answer to that, but I thought it was a odd choice that you're looking at this as the weakest episode of the series so far. And I don't disagree with you. I, I think it definitely is based off of what we've seen so far, including yeah. the miniseries. It's yeah, not yeah. better than thirty three. It's not better than Water. It's not better than Bastille Day. Mm hmm. Which yeah. means it's the weakest. It doesn't mean it's a bad episode of television, but the fact that it's a to be continued episode, and then you have a different writer and director altogether trying to maintain the continuity that was placed before him. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty weird. We thought we could trust a man named Rod Hardy. It's a hardy name. It's a hardy name. But we, but we couldn't trust him. Fell through. That's it. So yeah, it's a. It is a. It. If you look closely at it, it can be considered okay. You got you got these really professional, really competent people who the human race, it's very important that you preserve it and you've got this weird pilot celebration. Now, you could say what the chief said, I didn't realize. He says that right up front. He says, oh, I didn't realize. Nobody told me it's Flat Top's Thousands Landing. Nobody told me. He's pissed. Yeah. He's like, what yeah. the hell? Why didn't anybody tell me? So it's possible he wasn't really paying attention to what kind of ordinance was floating around and getting moved at the time. That's true. It's good you know. So yeah, that's all. I mean, I could I could see where you're coming from on this. Now, my other initial impressions are I don't love flashbacks when they're used like this. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, you're the I guess this people who are have only come across us through Recommission, the Battlestar Galactica podcast, this podcast, and don't know our other work, they don't know how much you're anti-flashback. You're pretty hardcore against it. I, I am, but I'm but I'm not. I'm so I'm so hypocritically <laughs> inconsistent with it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that has a lot to do with the emotional reaction at the time. For example, when you watch a TV show like Lost, one of the things Lost is trying to do is reveal to you information about the backstories of these characters, right? Yeah. Now, in this episode, we know that Zach was passed because of the miniseries. 
if you didn't watch the miniseries, you don't know that, and maybe these flashbacks become more important. But if you've seen the, the he, she tells him she's like, oh, it's the end of the world, Lee. I figured I can confess my sins. I passed Zach. So yeah. the only thing the flashbacks do in this is they try to make you feel something, which That's I guess true. isn't a sin in and of itself, but it's kind of lazy in my opinion. <laughs> so the flashbacks between Kara and Zach, although there's a lot of great moments, very small moments that I want to talk about on the plus, the negative overall is, is that it doesn't really tell you anything. They're just yeah. superfluous, make you feel something scenes. And I am of the opinion that one of, and I agree with you, the best scenes in the show is when Adama and Starbuck have a, have a face down. Yeah. In yeah, his cabin, it is excellent drama. It does not need the flashbacks for me to feel it because the performance of the actors mm. does it enough. Oh, the yeah. writing is there. The words are there. The way Adama reacts, the way Starbuck reacts is even better. And it's, it's excellent. I love that oh, part of it so yeah. much. So good. So there is some ups and downs in this. There's plenty of shit that I like, but for the most part, they wanted to wrap this up. They gave us a bunch of flashbacks to make us <laughs> feel something, which I don't love. But yeah. I like the aftermath of the crash. I like the way the chief reacts. I like that she has to train pilots. That stuff is all the good. Yeah. The, the flashbacks, for the most part, are kind of lame. Uh, the setup <laughs> doesn't hold up under scrutiny as much. Um, it's funny listening to you because you're fresh. So I don't really remember if I felt jarring the first time I saw this. Maybe I didn't, but yeah. now no, I'm I, thinking I about it. You know, honestly wondering whether it was a dream, whether it was a fla- like the whole sequence was a flashback, and also you know we haven't quite, quite gotten there yet. We haven't started officially the episode, but the first thing we see is a flash forward. You know that glimpse yes. of of Starbuck in her ship spinning out, obviously in an atmosphere. That was something I noticed. Of like, wow, she's burning up. Like, and you were seeing this color. You know, oh fuck, you're entering sure. the atmosphere of a planet. And that's when I started wondering about my trivia questions. But, um, the, you know, we see that and then we cut to this like happy, joyous, bouncing, like I was saying, sure. it made me feel like, are they like supposed to, are they supposed to be kids at the academy again? Like, yeah, yeah it, man. It threw me. It threw me. I was like, what the fuck? How, why are they acting like this? Absolutely. I do yeah. not disagree with you there. So let us uh, get crack a lacking, my good buddy. And uh, we should. But before we do that, I do think we have to address your Bastille Day trivia Q&A. That's it. Tell them. Tell them, Dean. Tell my kids what kind of colleges they're going to get into. <laughs> I have a feeling they're going to be climbing up on the bang bus. Oh, fuck. <laughs> they're not even their safety schools. <laughs> <laughs> so not the bus you were hoping, but the one where they take their clothes off. <laughs> no, not that audition couch. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right. So true and false questions I gave you are the following. All right. Caprica, Boomer, and Hilo track the homing beacon to a fallout shelter and meet multiple survivors. You, you answered true. <laughs> Which is not totally wrong, but it is wrong. They meant no survivors. <laughs> no fucking survivors. Fuck. False. I tricked you. That was kind of a, kind of a tricksy, tricksy hobbits' move. <laughs> Next, I said, Starbuck has sex with Gaius Baltar. You said false. Ba-boom, I'm a little safer. Ba-boom, you got one right. The next question I asked you was, Cylon sabotage causes Starbuck to crash her Viper pilot, her Viper on a planet. 
you said false, but I guarantee you that opening image made you poop a little. Uh huh. You were like, uh-huh. no, are you kidding? She does but, crash. But would you now that we now that I've seen the whole episode? I don't know if I'd call it Cylon sabotage. No, it's not sabotage. It's an attack. It's an attack. <laughs> Sab- one of your tricky dicks. No, no, I wouldn't have got that's 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 lowly. That's lowly horseshit right there. Uh, next, I said Tom Zarek convinces Gaius Baltar to consider a run at presidency in seven months. You said true. It did not occur. There was no Tom Zarek. You should be a screenwriter, Dean. You should be an in-house writer. That's a good story thread. We'd get three episodes out of that. <laughs> well, Tom Zarek, uh, it's been 48 hours for the record since uh, Bastille Day. It's oh, only been okay. two days. Wow. All right. Um, so you got that one right. You got three in a row. How about that? Wait. No, 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 you said true. So I'm sorry. So you got that one yeah, wrong. Yeah, I got that one wrong. <laughs> so you've got the first one wrong and the next two right, this one wrong. And then Adama learns the truth of Zach's death from Starbuck, and although visibly upset, embraces her and forgives her. You said false. You are absolutely correct on that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nailed it. Were you concerned when she started to confess? I, I was. I was like, <laughs> but I, I saw it the way that, oh, we'll get there, but the way that scene even starts, I was like, I think I might still be safe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it sounds good. <laughs> Lastly, Pro- President Rosalind's cancer takes a sudden turn for the worse. You said false, and of course, you are correct. Baby's gonna make it. Gonna make it another day. You only got two wrong, man. Two out of five is great. Two out of six. That's good, man. I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Got nothing to be ashamed of there. So well done. Mm-hmm. Feeling strong. Feeling strong. A little now, damage, but I'm there. Let us begin with the episode. Now that we've rambled on. <laughs> so first things first. We start, as you have mentioned, with a quick, in media res, you like that, shot of Starbucks Viper going down. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 beep. Trying to grab an ejection seat. Does that not remind you of Top Gun? Maverick trying to grab the ejection seat? Oh, you know what reminded me of Top Gun was the (laughs) sweaty, blue-filtered sex that we see in profile. Oh, and the the funeral, and and the seven-gun salute, or whatever, however many riflemen they have. (laughs) Fucking never forget you, Goose! Six, six gun. Uh, and then we get a quick hard cut to Matthew's favorite scene, which is Flat Top's 1,000th landing. Lots of celebration. You know, now that I'm thinking about this, you know what You know what this scene struggles for? The music almost gives it a weird dreamlike quality. Yeah. It's, it's very Middle Eastern, bizarre, something yes. weird yes. is going to happen. It's right? so ratcheted up. It's like, why can't we just see them being happy? Like, we don't have to have, like... You know, we get those like quick shot, you know, cuts of like cutting to the guy's face. Everybody's happy, cutting to another random person smiling back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, it's obviously an intense scene. And then you get where it's going once you have that close up on the missile and the and the frayed strap. And you're like, oh, something bad's going to happen. But I would have liked it if it were just more low key. And then all of a sudden the strap just breaks out of nowhere yeah, yeah. and, and yep. it hits us. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Much, there's just a lot of buildup and just really over the top. I don't know. It It was very much... Uh, dramatically shot with the showing the slow motion, showing the slow breaking of the strap, like we're watching a cliffhanger, you know? And yeah, <laughs> the guy's gonna fall it's... down the mountainside. <laughs> Sly just can't hold him. <gasps> yeah, basically, yeah, basically. And then uh, yeah, there's and there's some really awkward zooms on the straps and stuff. I mean, they really they really hand it to you. 
And I mean, do you like, do you, as far as characters concerned, are you a fan of, you know, the interactions between Starbuck and Lee in this scene? I kind of liked seeing, you know, the commander and Lee and Starbuck together all kind of talking. I liked that. But there was a little bit like the paint falling and they're pointing and laughing at each other. I was just like, you are legitimately acting like a bunch of 12 year olds. That part was kind of annoying when they, when <laughs> she when she's like you clean up no you clean it up and Dama walks in and I'm like okay I get well, dad's it. here puts his hands on his hips no what are you kids up to but but I do like seeing Starbucks playful side because she's so True. run down in this episode uh, yes. when they're walking through the hallway I like that I thought that Me was too. nice with them talking and Dama saying this is all greatly exaggerated you <laughs> yeah. know that all he of made that a huge was nice. huge fart sound on his thousandth landing is essentially the story yeah basically yeah yeah i like that so commander adama comes down to be part of everything and then of course lee and Kara are having fun the chiefs get their wagon ready and then the hectic music of course accompanying the scene and uh mm-hmm. we have flat tops landing but uh, it doesn't last long does it because no kablooshk. as soon as they get him in a bobsled that was it pretty much Boom, credits, we hear, I believe it's the port hangar deck, and uh, they feel the rock. I like how they f- are in the other section of the ship when they hear boom, and the ship kind of rocks. I like that. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And then, of course, we start with the credits, and we go right into another shot of Starbucks Viper crashing, and then the Master of Arms we finally see. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I didn't even put together that that was the Master of Arms. Okay. Yep. It's not just a name anymore. So overall... Tell me about the editing of this episode, Matthew. Tell me about the shots of her crashing. Tell me about the... Tell me what you think about that stuff in the flashbacks and the way they decided to shoot this episode. Yeah. I mean, I actually really like the flash forwards. I thought that that opening, the very, very opening shot of her crashing, I was like, oh, I am I am on board. I love the flash forward and, and coming back to that and having that punctuate the episode throughout... I was into that. Um, it's And the flashbacks, I think I'm more okay with them than you are, but I do definitely get what you're saying of how after a certain point they're superfluous. I really wish that the flashbacks, I mean, I kind of, now that I say that, I, I like some of the flashbacks where it's Starbuck talking to Adama. Those I'm more okay with. The sure. ones where she's actually talking to Zach, I'm kind of like, you're just saying the same thing you're, that you've already said to Captain Lee and to the commander. It's just the same, you know, okay, we get it. You, know, you passed him, you shouldn't have passed. Didn't really need to have it. They what want I you did, to feel something. That They're they, trying to make you feel something. Yes, and what I really wish they had done with the flashbacks, uh, especially with her and Zach, the same way they kind of did the flash forwards of keeping them really micro short, just like really like quick glimpses. Because the, the scene where I like the flashbacks the most is actually when she's playing cards. I can't wait to get to that scene because sure. – they are very short flashbacks, and they, we understand their effect that they're having on her as memories to her very palpably. And we don't – they don't need dialogue. The images alone carry a lot of weight. Um, and that I thought was a, an effective use of the flashbacks. Okay. Um, as far – like I was saying, as far as the rest of it goes, I don't mind the ones where uh, it's her with the commander and they're they're talking – the the funeral I get ah they're cutting intercutting with you know the current funeral very oh, cool cool you know it with that again I think it was a little bit of a superfluous it's it's Rod Hardy being cute right yeah. I, well in my opinion I mean I yeah. don't know if that's a bad thing because I don't want to sit here and pretend I don't like stylistic editing I mean that would be a total True. lie I'm a Tarantino fan <laughs> yeah there you go so <laughs> but at the same time it just felt like. You know, one of the things you're saying is is the way it felt uh, 
when it opened, mm-hmm. I felt less strongly about that. But the way I felt overall about the episode is I was like, wow, this is a real different take on we're not just living in the moment here on the Galactica. We're going back in time. We're showing these situations. And I wonder almost if we could just show quick flashes and yes. then linger on Starbucks' vacant f- face instead of spending time in the past. Quick, A quick cut of what she might be thinking in that moment. If she, I mean, if they can't figure out a way to shoot it to where she's thinking of it without going into a flashback, if they can show us that she's thinking something, she's thinking yeah. something back on what she said, maybe even just the beginning where it says, previously on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and we know this is going to be in her mind uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. So, but anyway, I just wanted to yeah. get your opinion on that. So that's good shit. So yeah, 13 dead, seven in sick bay. Oof. We got that lucky. Is. If that had been a missile instead of a comm drone. Ooh. Would have punched right through the hull, they said. Mm. They would have all been gone. So the chief's not taking this too well. He's, uh, he's saying never had a death on a ship before. I think that master at arms is supposed to make us feel better about this accident so we don't wonder why the chief isn't a fucking wreck over this. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. almost like the, the master of arms is used to let him off the hook. Exactly. She yeah. says, no, it could have happened anywhere, faulty equipment, blah, 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 blah. In other words, you don't need to worry about, Don't you guys don't worry about this. This is not your episode. <laughs> because right, <laughs> yeah. part of me feels like, it, this should be a situation where the deck crew is focused on. Like, this is an accident on their ship. The pilots yeah, have nothing to do with this, happened, yeah. other than they took the losses. So we get a lot of shots of pilots at funerals and stern faces and wings yeah. getting put on coffins. But, <laughs> right, because, yeah. you know, 13, a bunch of people died. Now, there had to have been a couple of deck people that died. I don't know. But anyway, moving along, in the pilot's ready room, we learn about services for the dead. So this is a good scene. Yeah. This is this is good Battlestar Galactica right here. Agreed. We see a great a great track around the room of empty pilot seats in oh, the pilot man. ready room. So many, excellent, empty. excellent. Yeah. That's good stuff. That tells that you something, doesn't it? Without oh, yeah. putting it in your face, an empty room with a few pilots sitting around. Exactly. It's it's one of those things. It gives it translates visually. What it would take a lot more words to say. Like we get that yes. impression instantly from looking at it. Yes, exactly. Without using a flashback, for example, and uh, <laughs> they just are downtrodden. They look beat down. Oh, and, and I love you know this is this is one of those times where you know Lee has not really had to be in this position too much before. He's been uh, you know commander. What do they call it? CAG. What does that stand for again? Commander Air Group. Com- the commander of the air group. Commander yes. of the air group. Okay, That's but he but he is. Uh, Apollo is a lieutenant. So commander of the air group is just a designation. It doesn't mean his yeah, rank that's is not a rank. fact commander. No, no. Yeah. There, are command, that, yeah. there are commanders, but he is not a commander. He's a lieutenant, and he is the commander of the air group or the CAG. Yeah, which is they call the, him captain. They do also call him captain. Yeah. Oh, he is a captain. He's not a lieutenant. You're yeah. right. You're right. I'm sorry. He's a Captain Leodama. Mm-hmm. But um, and it's like – he is obviously used to addressing groups of pilots. You know, he's he's a, a ranking officer, but you get the feeling that he's still a pretty young guy. He has not had to address people in the face of so much loss of life, especially of their own sure. guys. That's new for him. And I like him being like, I don't, you know, what words do I even say? Like, I don't know. He's like admitting to them. He's like, I, I have no words for this. I don't know what makes us better. And that's when his father comes and steps in. And that's such a good transition where he's standing up on the stage, you know, kind of not... He's not fucking up. He's not blubbering and not knowing what to do, but he just is kind of, you know, admitting like I don't I don't know a way to make this feel any better for any of us. And right. when 
you know, the commander comes down there and it's like, give me your eyes. He's in front of all of them. Oh, it's so good. It's great. I like, I like what you're saying here because it's unlikely that any CAG has ever had to address a mass death of pilots Mm -hmm. on their own ship, on their own ship. It's very unlikely that something like that would happen to where you would have to do something like that. I mean, that's something your infantry guys deal with like, Oh shit, a mortar killed three guys yesterday or that were on patrol or a surprise attack or we got ambushed on patrol. I mean, this is something a very rare case where 13 pilots just die in a flash. Yeah. That does for nothing, for nothing, right? Not an attack. Yeah. So yes, give me your eyes is great. Adama waits for Lee to finish. He doesn't interrupt him. He's respectful of his office. And then he comes up and he says, you know, hold strong to your self-respect because people are watching. People need to know that they can count on you. And that is really the difference here, isn't it? (laughs) Between a commander and Lee? Nope. Between what you have going on in Battlestar Galactica Reimagined, which is you have in orbit around you, for lack of better terms, a bunch of civilian ships who want to know what's going on, as yeah. civilians do. We yes. all want to kind of know what's going on over there. Why are we doing this? What's happening? Now, it, you want to know even more when your very survival depends on these people over yes. here, let alone yeah. guys going to another country to do shit, right? Yeah. These people are responsible for your survival. They want to know what's going on. You know, this is something I think about sometimes, and people can say shit like, oh, athletes get paid a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, no shit. But- I like how there is this thing where every time a guy has a bad day, every time he makes a bad play, every time he does this, every time he fucks up, it's like 90 reporters, at least in Massachusetts, especially if you're dealing with the Red Sox or the Uh Patriots, you know, because the the, the people up here are fucking psychos, right? And I'm right. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm any better than them. But, and that's, imagine if you're at at work and somebody's like, hey, what's going on? Hey, the media's outside because you didn't get any sales today. So they want some answers. <laughs> yeah. Like, you fuck answer you. This. Right? Yeah. So, Had a bad day. Fuck off. Right. Right. Get out of my face. So it's a little bit different here because now outside of just being able to do their job, when Adama says people are watching, he doesn't mean me, the commander. He means they, the people, yeah. the the them that Ty yes. hates. <laughs> that's <Right>? yes, <laughs> the civvies. That's but right. I mean, that's right. I like that, you know. And that is like I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like that is the heart of the show. That's those are the stakes of you have a military and a bunch of military officers who are used to being in the position of what all military is in a position of, of being a defense force, fighting wars, keeping the homeland safe. Usually far away from the homeland, and especially fighting its here, especially in this realm. In this world, yeah, yeah. And now that has, you know, you still have those same exact responsibilities with the added burden of being the the spine, the backbone of all of civilization. Like you are the torchbearers of the human race now and the absolute guardians of it all. That's, it's so much heavier. And yes. like you say, you're not just, you're not a component of that world anymore. You are the, the, you know, the surrounding architecture of the entire world. Everything clings to the Battlestar to keep it together. The, the world is a lot different now. Yeah, yeah. So and I love, again, that, that line, that, that line just blew me the way of give me your eyes. Uh, it's very much, you know, I like how it leads into his speech because 
he's saying, you're all sitting there in your own little private world, mourning your buddies and looking down, looking sad. And he's like, give me your eye, like pay attention to me. Remember who you all are. Look at me for a second because you all still are the torch bearers. You know, you have to remember your job in this. You can't just mourn your buddies and, and, and wallow. Right. Absolutely. Give me your eyes. Look up here. Stand tall. Chin up. Right. Yeah. Snap out of it. And uh, I do. I like that a lot. And that's something that is well. uh, This is Adama. This is his forte. This this quiet command that is inspirational at every turn. Yeah. Now. Yeah. We do learn. And again, when I'm learning things from a flashback, I like that. We learn that Adama first meets Kara right before Zach's funeral. I mean, that's heavy. That that's, is. that's an interesting piece of information from the flashback that I think is necessary. Mm-hmm. He knew of her. He knew about her. Zach had talked about her, but he'd never actually met her till then. Yep. And then, of course, we see the funeral of full honors being rendered in the hangar bay. So say we all. This woman standing up. And this is cut against flashbacks, of course, of Zach's death. Lee placed in the wings on his brother's coffin and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the a- thing I liked I liked most about that scene was uh, that Commander Adama actually reached out and held, you know, Starbucks' hand. Yep, yep. Little that's things the- like that. Little quick things like that I appreciate. Yeah, and that's, the, you know, we get – I like seeing the beginnings, the foundation of their relationship is formed out of grief, basically. You know, that's – you know, that's what it stall started at. That was the ground zero for them coming together and getting to know one another. So, and I, I like that. I like that as part of the background of this episode of it is about grief and any kind of loss of life, I think, brings them back to memories of that too. Right. Absolutely. A very memorable moment when Adam grabs Kara's hand and wrote the same thing. True. And he had just met her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, there's a lot of this, boy, I'll tell you. This, some of this reminds me of The Crow. So here's my hypocrisy, where, I like, where, where there are flashbacks that I enjoy because we're, it's trying to build up this resentment so the revenge payoff is better. There you go. Right? You have a dif- difficult situation here. A lot of times with flashbacks, I think that I like them more. In, I'm, very, I'm very much more forgiving of them in, in television than I am in film. In film, your job is to tell a story, and that's it. And I want you to tell a good story. When you deal with a television series, I'm much more forgiving of flashbacks. I mean, Lost is a perfect example. You can't tell that story any other way. And you could almost argue that this. You can't shoot this sequentially. You know, I'm of the opinion that a filmmaker should just fucking shoot his movie sequentially. (laughs) Just show your, tell us your fucking story. And And if it's not good enough and you need to be cute then that's different. Now, if you're relying on all these other tricks to trade to make me interested in your story, then then uh, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not going to yeah. like it as much as if you just shot a good straight-through story. You know, if you took a film like Goodfellas and you chopped it up and you, and you did it weird, you know? In that, yeah. it starts off Henry Hill. He's a kid. He fucking grows up. He gets in a life of crime. He keeps going. He got a voiceover. It's not like, you know what I'm saying? They don't try yeah. to tricky-dick you the whole time Yeah. flashbacks. Oh, and the thing this fucking mobster said to me reminds me of that time when I was nine, and let's have yes. an eight-minute scene of that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes, exactly. exactly. Now, in television, I get it. You yeah. have a story that's going to continue running. You can't go back and shoot this sequentially. You can't because no. we're, we're already there. Too late. It already happened. And you have, yeah, and you're juggling multiple threads. Yes, and I think sometimes several it's even, characters. It's a, yeah, it's an important just as a logistical reminder to the audience of, okay, remember this? This is going to play in again. You know? right. yeah. But I will say this, and I don't mean to breeze by these, these funerals and, these, and the rendering honors and that stuff. I think this is very effective 
from a dramatic standpoint. I I, it, I do feel something when I watch these scenes. I really do. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to make it sound like I don't, and I don't want to be I don't want to be active contrition up too much over flashbacks because TV is a lot different than film. True. This is true. So say we all. I like the music here. We get the military march, of course, uh, drummed out on the snare drums. Uh, we get the six gun salute, and then of course the funerals conclude. Mm-hmm. And again, we get our first look of what a crying Starbuck looks like. You know, yes, the twenty one gun salute there, and that—that's my first you know twinge of like, oh fuck, yeah. She's for one, Katie Sackhoff is great in this episode, and she's been great all along. I'm glad, like I was saying at the top, I'm really glad we have an episode focusing on her, and it, it's about time. And it's I about hope, time. You know, yeah, and I hope the next episode continues in that way since it's a to be continued. It seems like it must. Um, yeah. But yeah, I like that first look. You know, I, I like Zach's funeral more, I think, uh, of getting that glimpse of this is the beginning. This is the formation of her relationship with the commander. Uh, and we're seeing the toll that Zach was taking on her. That's all. It is all important. Right. I agree. Later, we see Kara and, Adam- and Adama toasting to pilots we've known. They're in the cabin. They're in the captain's cabin, right? Toasting water. <laughs> toasting water. Adama wants her to train some pilots, but of course, Kara's like, well, oh, there it is. I don't know if I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, give me someone better, right? Classic. That is a simple way to inspire people by saying these things. People revere Adama so much that when he gives these types of compliments, you can run through walls. That's why he's a good leader. <laughs> exactly. And then yeah. she says, well, she's still trying, she's still fencing with him a little, right? Yes. 50,000 yeah. people out there. And Adama tells her, listen, there's only one combat flight instructor here. And then he cuts right to the chase. And this is effective as fuck, more so <laughs> than the flashbacks. Yeah, I agree. When he says agree. you had nothing to do with what happened, it was an accident. Yeah. And we, I, mean, I love the way he you know starts what I'm saying. You, you I mean, could you could have slid this. You could have slid these scenes up a little if you wanted to, to make the flashbacks more flashbacky. <laughs> true. And That's gone true. right into Adama. The way he says this is a gut punch to the audience because we know she is responsible. Yeah, yeah, and just the way the straightforward. And we saw it especially the last episode when he was talking to Gaius. You know, where he just like clears the BS. You know, he says it to her. Even I'll get down to it. This is about Zach. Like that's the first thing he said. Like he's not going to even let himself get into the game of back and forth and, and trying to slowly push her in the direction of convincing her. He's just like, let's let's not even do that dance. This right. is about my son. And this is where you have to rely on the performance of your actors. EJO, yeah. as he's known, EJO. He, <laughs> EJO. He's great here. He says, Zach passed basic flight. What happened to him could have happened to any qualified, like how he uses that word, pilot mm-hmm. you did your job to the best of your ability that's all i can ask i that's, need new pilots ooh. and i want you to, i mean this stuff is more effective than the flashbacks to me it's and more effective he, in the moment when he's he's saying look it's fine i mean this is a gut punch and i do uh, a part of this episode's writing that i am a really big fan of structurally is how some of these exact words and phrases come back you know they are repeated Absolutely. in a later context that is much heavier you know, the way like that is that is the line of this scene. That's the line that weighs heaviest on Starbuck is you did your job to the best of your ability. That's all I can ask. You know, that's we see how important that is to him. That is when he says that's all I can ask. He's saying that's the only thing I ask. That's the only thing that matters. That's it. And the fact that he used the word qualified, he wasn't. That's yeah. the oh, brutal. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> so but, Karis yeah. says I can do that. 
and she finishes her drink, gets a nice intimate shoulder rub. Just give me, just give them the attention that you gave my son. I mean, Ugh. wow. She is, just, yeah, her, her guts are just tying into knots inside of her. She, she wants to get out of there. She's fleeing. Oh, yeah. she need, she's oh, fight or time. flight right now. She needs to get out of there. I mean, this is and, too heavy. And he fucking hugs her. It's so fatherly. And this is all, that's another important aspect of this too. We're seeing, we've gotten hints of it, you know, how he defends her in front of Ty. And even Ty's like, ah, she, you've always had her under your wing, blah, yep, blah, blah. Yep. But we see it really plainly here of like how much he cares about her. And it physically hugs her and sends her yes. on her way. It's so fatherly. It, it sure is. We we again get another shot of the Viper crashing, and then of course we have Kara at the card game. Now this is something that is done by the director that I like. There's this choice to to have this frame of smoke trailing from the cigarette, and then we tilt down and we get a real close up of her, and her eyes just say, "I am not here." Yes, she's it's, so absent, so absent from the scene that she finds herself in, and that is something that I love about this moment. I love yeah. it. And, and then and, and I was just gonna say there's something I really like. You know, a lot of times you could there's plenty of times on shows. And I remember like I was saying before, uh one of my first impressions of this show from hearing people talk about it back when it was on is everybody was always joking about like, oh yeah, you know, it's it's Battlestar Galactica sexed up. It's so sexed up. And watching it now, I'm like, it's really not that it, it, sex is not gratuitous in this show it's no, it's no game of thrones we, we um, but <laughs> we've come a long way from 2004 yeah <laughs> well but that even yeah that too and but honestly, like there's not honestly, like how many how many scenes of nudity or sex have there been like hardly any and this is one of the few but i really like the way this is used and it's so realistic the fact that what is she missing you know she's not they're not showing shots of them like picking flowers together and running through fields it's it's them making love having sex and I get the real strong impression from this episode, which I wasn't so sure of before, but now I'm pretty sure that she has been basically, you know, chast since he died. Like she is starved for some intimacy. And mm-hmm. that's a big part of her memory that, you know, it's a, that's the part that's affecting her in this scene. We get those flashes of them kissing and him t- kissing her ear and she's touching her own ear. She can barely concentrate because she's so involved in that particular memory. You know, there's something I really like about these moments and in, 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 to address the whole sex thing, sex is awesome. <laughs> if, if you're yeah. not having it, start having it. It's, start. it's way better than not having it. Can't find it? Pay for it. No, I'm just yeah, go ahead. I don't fucking care. Just don't get arrested. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, it's so funny because it, who cares? Like we are so puritanical in, in this country about stuff like that. I just don't get it. And you're right. Cause I remember the reputation, like, Oh, this ain't, there's, there's, there's so many hot chicks in it. You know, uh, this guy I used to work with, was like, Oh, I love BSG. I'm glad you told me about it. So many hot chicks. And that was him not admitting that he liked a geeky science fiction TV show. Yeah. Right. That was how he would protect yeah. his manhood, which was fucking adorable. It's Starbucks hot. That's the only thing I like. Oh my God. Six is so hot. It's fucking the best show ever. Right. He would do shit like that. I was like, ah, oh, you're fucking adorable. Yeah. But, um, but in, in, you know, and if you haven't seen game of Thrones, yeah, people have sex. There's yeah. a, there, there, this, this is a place where people don't feel the way we do about it in this fucking country. It was Westeros is not <laughs> earth. Westeros sure. does not have uh, puritanical fucking people with buckles on their hats and ridiculous <laughs> socks, right? And uh. saying you can't dance and you can't do that. And this this weird lingering effect on our brain is to be so worried about it. And, and you can tell we're really breaking away from that. I think a lot of that has to do with like 
the way we are not quite there yet, but getting better as a, as a country where we're saying things to women like, awesome, you banged a bunch of dudes, good for you. That wasn't <laughs> the case even 10 years ago. Yeah, seriously. Not even, right. it was a total double standard. And I think the more we get sex positive in this life, I think the less people are going to concern themselves with shit. Now, that's the one hand. The other hand is, is that it should, any scene, no matter what you're doing, if somebody's, if somebody's eating a sandwich, it should matter. Yes. It should yeah. matter because you're trying to tell a story and you only got so many scenes to do it. And if the sex is part of the fucking story, it's part of what you're trying to tell, then it should be part of it. If you're trying to highlight something and let us know something, it should be yeah. part of it. And, and yeah, it, it sells a little bit too. Fine, whatever. It, nah. Get over it. <laughs> well, in this, you know? And that's the thing. Like in, in this context, the way it's used in this scene, it is not you know, the meaning of, you know, the word gratuitous, like, what is that? Like, it's unnecessary and you're lingering on it longer than you should, longer than there's any meaning. And this scene doesn't do that. Like this, and it's interesting. It's a unique look at it because it's not, it's, you're not aroused from this scene. It's, it's sex out of grief. You know, she's, it's, she's mourning her, you know, you know, late boyfriend, fiance, whatever what they were, I guess. Uh, and mourning the sex and, and mourning that intimacy. And you can totally tell she has not, had that sense and like i had thought if you'd asked me before i'd be like what i'm sure she's fucking other pilots constantly starbucks getting out there just slinging nope i don't think that's the case at all and that's one of the things i really liked learning about her in this episode yeah i i here's where the flashbacks are effective for me and you know this you can think back right you can think back to somebody you can you can think back to sex your sexual history you can think back to your intimate history and there are flashes of things that you remember that aren't even necessarily like your balls deep in some hot chick right (laughs) and and that's what this scene does he touches her ear yes there's a a brush across the lip that you remember there's a certain way that somebody pushes hair out of somebody's eyes you know i remember being in middle school when i when i was in the back of a parent's car and uh the back seat was really full i was in the eighth or ninth grade i can't remember i think it was eighth grade and this girl i was dating and didn't know what the fuck i was doing climbed in the back seat and sat on my lap i'll never fucking forget that oh no i was no purgatory i didn't i didn't i was too scared (laughs) Ah, no, yeah, I don't say that's me. It's like I can't let them know. How do I sink my but, waist lower? But do you know what I'm saying? That's that's the shit you remember. There's a great scene in the film Glenn Gary Glenn Ross where Al Pacino talks about this. He talks about you know it's the way someone's arm brushed across your chest that you remember. He's like yeah. not necessarily every detail of the sex, but these little things after, these little tiny details. And I think that's what the scene does a lot. If you've ever thought about something, if you've ever fucking reflected on anything in your life, there's a great moment where her little naked feet go down onto the deck plate yeah, and it's just yeah. a quick flash. And that's the shit you remember, the way the deck was cold on your feet that day. Yeah, These and tiny the little details in the flashes that are recalling these memories of her surrounded around pilot death and how she's now recalling Zach. And that's why I mean, the quick flashes are more effective than these longer we're talking in the flashback yes. scenes to me. And Do you in, know what I'm saying? In this very scene, you know, the only important piece of dialogue, it's not even important, you know, plot wise, but it's just, you know, again, adding to, to the tone of the emotion of the story. Um, it's when Zach is saying, you know, I don't want you treating me, you know, differently or, you know, giving me special treatment. My father right. wouldn't want that. You know, he's saying that that's, you know, those are words that would linger in her. I get it. But the rest of the dialogue, it eh, doesn't matter. The best part of these flashbacks uh-huh. are those, I like when it, like what I was saying, you know, it cuts from, 
you know, see his lips like on her ear and then she's touching her own ear and she's closing her yes. own eyes and she's touching her own lips. Like she's so enveloped in it. And it's just from those little glimpses, those little tiny fragments of memories that are the ones you keep coming back to. And like how she can't even concentrate. And I like also an important thing. So we don't only see him only in this scene in this episode, but Gaius is really the only one to notice. Like Crashdown kind of picks he up on it, but Gaius – yeah, but, but guys he's the one is really aware. He's a very alert man. So alert. And I, and I think that speaks to his empathetic side. Like we see him as the manipulative, you know, analytical genius, but I think he's also a very good reader of people as well. And I think it's been compromised sure. from how much he's being haunted by the ever present specter of six fucking with him, but I think he's actually a pretty, you know, empathetic and and you know, I guess he can pick up on people and read their emotions really well. And he sure can. we see that here. And he's saying, do you, do you want to take a break? And she just, I'm done. Just gets up and leaves. She just bounces out. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I do like that. I do like how that is done. I like how we get a quick look at guys going, Hmm. Mm-hmm. And What's I think that's also here? another maybe a little tidbit of Gaius especially notices Starbucks feelings. Hmm. Possibly he's a little mm. more tuned into her than anybody else. Oh, absolutely. He's got a thing for her, obviously, right? Big that's he, That's been made clear for a couple episodes now. Oh, maybe we sound there dumb, you go. but okay. <laughs> no, no. I mean, he, when he ran into her in the hallway, you remember that. We talked oh, about yeah. that. And she busts his balls. I do want to say something real quick about this. And then in the, one of the dialogues where he says, my father wouldn't want you to treat me differently. That's dog shit dialogue, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's saying that so we know Adamo. Like he, we, nobody yeah. talks that way. You wouldn't Again, be like, my yeah. daddy wouldn't like it if you gave me special treatment. That's that's lip service for the audience to go, well, yeah, he wouldn't, would he? Yeah. For the, yeah, it's for like, the- again, the and that, that, that all could have been summed up. The most important part of any dialogue they exchange in that flashback could have been summed up with her saying later on, like, I know for a fact Zach thought that maybe I passed him when he didn't deserve it. And yes. that, that bothers me too. Like yes. the fact that even Zach wouldn't have wanted it, that's something that could haunt her. And that makes sense. Cool, but again, that could be summarized really quickly and easily. So easily. We don't need so much dialogue. Yeah, they, they, like I said, they wanted to linger a little bit on the flashbacks, and they did. Um, Rod Hardy style, baby. You got to get used to it. <laughs> so uh, Crashdown asks Gata about the Cylon detector. That's one of the things that comes up during the card game. If you're not paying attention, you might miss it. That's true. And it gets ignored a little bit. We get the close-up on Kara's feet touching the metal plating. That's something I've always remembered because that's a great little detail of a memory. That's true. Uh, and then, of course, we have Zach's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to send you to Vipers. if uh, I don't think you got the chops. That's her talking to Zach. More sexy time, funeral shots, guys, officers break from the game. And then she bolts him out of here. And then Boomer wins by default, I guess, because she's like, she can. And she did. <laughs> Kissing money. Mm, I'm pretty gross myself. <laughs> and then, uh, so what do we got next? We got 14th day on Caprica. We learn. Ooh, yes, this is oh, it. Oh, boy. So Caprica, Boomer, and Hilo track the signal to a restaurant. They enter and track the signal to a secret door that leads to a basement. They find a shelter fully stocked. Uh, and then, of course, they find a disaster beacon. And then they tear into some rations. And then we see a hand play across the window. So let's talk about this scene. Oh, yes. Our only look at Caprica this time around. And yes, some good luck, which of course, Six is right behind them, which makes me think, again, that this is somehow set up uh, by the Cylons. Like this is a part of whatever weird labyrinth they are pushing Hilo through. 
which I we do not understand why yet. Especially, you know, because when they get down there, they're getting ready to tear into the rations, and Hilo goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, what about the signal? we got to figure out what's where that's coming from. Sure. And they turn around and realize it's an unmanned, uh, just preset beacon that they say was set to go off in the event of a nuclear attack to let people know to come there. And they're like, wow, you know, what are the chances this guy went through all this trouble to set up this for himself and he didn't even make it. At least it's going to benefit us. Some poor slob, he says. (laughs) Some poor slob. (laughs) Let's eat his food. (laughs) Fuck him. But yeah, (laughs) like it is. And it's to me, you know, especially on the second watch, I was like, ooh, this is so a part of the Cylon game. Like this isn't actually some, some fortunate souls, uh, old setup. Mm. This is their shit. Okay. And did Sharon know about it? Sharon? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think again, I, this is, we've established, you know, the Caprica boomer knows she's a Cylon, uh, and she is acting. She's playing along. She's playing dumb when things surprise them. Gotcha. So she knew the shelter was here. She knew where it was. She knocked the books out of the way, found the secret passage. They go down there, they open it. They see the batteries, the water, the rations, everything else. And of course the uh, disaster beacon. She knew about all this. Is yes, what you're I, me? I think so. Or at least, you know, she had foreknowledge of, all right, we're going to have this set up for you guys and you're going to find it, <laughs> you know, something she's so, and again, it all, the, the thing that keeps bringing me back to is they're keeping Hilo alive. The Cylons are making a concerted effort to give him supplies, to not actually kill him, to let him be rescued by the Caprica boomer, all that stuff. They're keeping him alive for something. Maybe my theory so far is that there's a way in which they can, make a copy of a person like this is how they add to new human models but then again i'm I'm going but why would they want a human model of of Hilo? it would be impossible to get him back to the human fleet to infiltrate anything they'd be like how the fuck did you survive but so i don't know it's it's really weird right now to me so you think they're setting him up for something setting him up for something to gain information out of something they they i mean they're keeping him alive gotcha good stuff yeah it's a tough call and the fact that the fact that six, obviously, right? That's her hand. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you see, you see the blonde here. Oh yeah. She runs it across the glass. I like the sh- the color in this. I like the rain. I like the washed out, you the know, blues. blues. Yeah. There's no, oh, there's no warm colors at all. But we're supposed to believe this is a warm situation. So this is clever. They're they're giving us colors that you would not associate with. Yippee! We found a nice place. We can hang out. We got food. Right. Yeah, it's still a cold feeling behind it, and it's shot that way. A risky move for Six to be walking kind of willy nilly outside, no? Right. Yeah, they, she's really. You know, we saw in the last episode. I'm going to forget his name again. The PR guy who they discovered was a Cylon. Uh, Doral. 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 Her and Doral are watching over them and talking about them and everything. So they stay pretty close, but that was especially close, indeed. We return to the Galactica and we meet Doc Cottle. He breaks some balls about breast exams. He smokes. This guy Roslyn. is like a lead character from Dragnet. <laughs> like, how is he a character in the future? Rosalind brings up alternate treatment. They discuss Kamala extract. So this scene is uh, is revealing, isn't it? It is. It, you know, he's he's for one chastising her of like, wow, you're a grown woman. You're smart. How did you go five years between having breast exams? And she, I love her response of like, oh, yeah, I can tell you hi. None of your fucking business. <laughs> like, right. I don't owe you this explanation. I also, of course, we know about uh, hereditary things with problems with cancer. She says her, her mom died of it. So yeah. that's that's why he's so upset with her. And, yeah. uh, you know, he talks about it. He smokes. He's a beast, this guy, Doc Cottle. <laughs> He's a beast. And then 
bless you. And then they continue. Uh, he's like, you know, we, we can try to shrink it with radiation. We can't operate. And that's when she starts to talk about something called Kamala extract. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is in the Battlestar Galactic universe, like Echinacea or St. John's Wort. And all the doctors are like, fuck that. You crunchy granola hippies. That it, shit doesn't it, do anything. It's certainly some hippy dippy shit, obviously. <laughs> and then he says, uh, well, you know, I'll help you find it, though. He agrees. Yeah, he does. He's going to put out a search for the whole fleet. Maybe maybe some other wacko out there has got a stockpile of Kamala X, right? Yep, and for what it's worth, I would seriously consider prayer. And she's shaken up in this scene. She She's fighting back tears. Her eyes are telling me everything I need to know, and this is why she's such a great actress. She's so yeah. good in this role. Exactly, yeah. No, she is fantastic here. And I, I love how, you know, they're each, they have that similar aesthetic about them each of these characters of like they are very they know their shit they're a little bit older wizened uh, they don't give too much of a shit they know what they want and you know when he lights up that cigarette she's like do you mind you know and he's like yeah i do <laughs> just keep smoking <laughs> like i'm gonna smoke lady yep so what do you think about this what do you th- how do you think kamala extract what do you think is going to become of the president with this alternative stuff do you see this going well or poorly Mm, I or, could or see, no change. I, if I had to lay it down now, I would predict either no change or some lengthening of her life. Maybe like it keeps her alive, but that her, but she's still, you know, not. I think we're going to see over the course of the series her being genuinely affected by the cancer and not able, you know, in pain at least. Sure. Um, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't even be terribly surprised if she didn't make it out of the entire series. You know, if we actually do see her to succumb to it eventually. I don't know right. how soon that would be. Right. But right. Um, I could definitely. I don't see her being cured. That's for sure. Gotcha. So Lee gives Kara a pilot manifests of what he's recruited. She ain't having it. She basically oh, calls him a bunch it. of slobs. And then, of mm-hmm. course, in the ready room scene, she dives right into the nuggets. She's hard on them. Asks <laughs> them to call her God. And then uh, she, in day one, she's like, listen, we're going into the cockpit. She's annoyed. And then the pilot, Costanza, gets a new name, Hot Dog. Fuck and Kara breaks his balls for being an Academy washout. So we know that this guy did actually go into the Academy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that I, I liked to know. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Seinfeld characters never make it out of the Academy. <laughs> But no, yeah, this is a this is a great scene. Although I I actually really liked the the way she says like, all right, you're getting in a cockpit today. Like that was as shocking to me as it was to them. I was like, holy shit, you guys are really gonna do? Like I imagined, you know, not a '80s montage, but I imagined scenes that showed a progression of time, like a couple of days, maybe a week, and then we get to them getting into the you know cockpits and actually sure. trying to fly. I was like, wow, they're actually going to throw them into their Vipers fucking day one. For one, it's risky for, you know, the sake of life and, oh, you could lose them, but you're also going to lose your Vipers. Like, these guys are idiots. They don't know what they're doing yet. Right. But I guess, you know, again, that's how desperate they are. Brendan Costanza is the pilot's name. His call sign now is Hot Dog, played by, do you know who? Ooh, I do not. You wouldn't because you didn't look, right? So his name is Bodie Olmos. (gasps) Oh, shit. Now you see it, don't you? Is he the son? Yep, he's he is Edward James Olmos' son. Wow, yep. I do not see much of a resemblance. Oh, <laughs> uh, if you look again, you'll see it. Especially huh. if you look at young Edward James Olmos, Miami Vice days. Oh wow, I, I guess I kind of see it. I'm looking at him now. Yep. Huh. Yep. Interesting. That's I wonder how guy. he got this gig. Hmm. Oh, daddy. Ooh. I want to be on your show. <laughs> <laughs> so this is. Uh, 
this is one of the first moments where we really have to suspend our disbelief a little bit, in, in my opinion. In oh, that's really? taking civilian pilots and making them viper jockeys. That is a lengthy fucking process, even for somebody who knows how to fly a civilian plane. Yeah. Now, the only experience I have with this is, is I have two friends who are pilots. And uh, one of them I see often, his name is Will. Shout out to Will, he's the man. And <laughs> he flies, he can fly by himself. He's not even registered yet because he needs more hours, but he, he flies by himself. He has that power and he has that responsibility. Wow. And um, whenever I see him, I always say, dude, Imagine flying an F-22. He's like, fuck, that'd be so sick. But then he's like, you know, I would die. I would be dead. <laughs> he's like, I would be dead so fast. I would. Because it would be the coolest eight seconds of my life. <laughs> he's, it, he, and, and we fall into these rabbit holes of blue angels and guys pulling 7G dives. And we talk about airplanes and we watch YouTube videos. And he's just a, he's just a cool cat. And he's he taught me all about like how they have to navigate and how so much of it's site navigation and the maps and you got to do this and you got to do that and he's telling me about landing and taking off and stuff and, and these are prop planes you know not a not even an airliner yeah wow um, but he was saying that uh, you know I, I said you know what what does it take to be an aviator like a naval aviator and he's like dude it is fucking super ridiculously hard. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I brought up the Independence Day and, you know, independent, in the Independence Day movie, you know, they, they train these yeah. guys to fly F-14s and shit. And he's like, dude, it would take a long fucking time. Take two. He goes, you might be able to get it off the deck and in the air. Wait, you're telling me a drunk Randy Quaid couldn't figure out how to do an F-22 <laughs> in a week? Come on. Uh, yeah. He said, you could probably get it off the deck and in the air. And then as soon as. One of these, uh, you know, crafting, crafty Russians engaged you who who has fucking experience. They're fucking done. Uh, that, these these guys, these aviators are are total total badasses. And yeah. I said, good to know. So he's, I mean, he's told me that before, and I and I just wanted to bring that up in this. Now, Hot Dog could be the exception to bring it back to BSG, and that is is because he's an Academy washout which might mean he was in an aviation school to be a Viper pilot and he washed out for whatever reason that was. Yeah. Because he shows some proficiency pretty quick. I mean, he shoots down a Raider. And that's yeah. where that's where we're going to go, okay, shooting down Raiders, that's, I mean, that's, 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 that, that's combat yeah. piloting. You're shooting down a goddamn machine plane. Yeah. That's, that can't be easy. <laughs> hyper drone from hell, yeah. Yeah, hyper drone from hell. Uh, but but not. I don't want to beat the show too up over that. I get the dramatic effect here, but you have to go. All right, these guys. I you know it's funny. I actually I disagree. I do like I like how it raises the stakes. I like how the fact that they're having to go out and you know they probably had to put out the call you know on you know Battlestar Craigslist or whatever the hell they use. <laughs> All right, we really need pilots. Anybody with pilot experience, please report in. Um, and these are the best. You know they've combed through everything they've got, and these are the best they can get. I think it does add to that, you know, shade to the desperation of the situation. I think it's interesting. What I like, I was saying, what I was joking about, even, you know, I think the crazy part about it is it is insane to throw them in day one to an actual. I mean, like Jesus, you, you know, you have, and I, I get they they have an argument later on a little bit of like, you know, God forbid the Cylons show up, we're not ready. They could come any time. And while that is certainly true, they still do have, I think, twenty one pilots. Uh, he said, "Yeah, I've got forty Vipers and twenty one pilots." Yeah, you know? so you're they're right. under they're undermanned. But it's like, but you do still have pilots. So 
that gives you enough wiggle room to, hey, let's give them a couple days of getting used to the controls, just sitting in the damn thing, talking about stuff, having some classes, going over the damn manuals before you hop right into it. That was the part where I'm like, that's a stretch. That's crazy. Um, right. But I don't, I, yeah. I don't disagree with the, with the dramatic nature of the idea of pulling them. And, and, and as far as we know, if Hot Dog is somebody who was an Academy washout, he might be a perfectly fly, a fine at flying. He might even be able to handle a Viper because of his prior experience in the Academy, and he might have washed out academically. We don't, we don't know. I'm sure there's a Wikipedia article somewhere that can tell you. But, <laughs> but I can't read it. And, it. and it's possible, and I don't recall exactly, but it's possible the other two as well. I just yeah. don't remember, yeah, but uh, I don't. I don't mind it from a dramatic standpoint. But I have. But part of me goes, "All right." I mean, you're talking about what? What were you flying like a cargo freighter, and now you're in a goddamn Viper bot? We don't know the exact details. But I just. Yeah. I guess my point is, is that in my opinion, I think we're suspending a little bit of disbelief here to believe these people can go out there and engage Cylons pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. No. With the exception of Hot Dog, uh, uh. who does, and uh, I guess you could say. As soon as the shit hits the fan, she sends them all home, and it's hot dog that goes back. Hot dog. I really wish she had just wielded her god status and just given them all like condiment names. They just end up sounding like a buffet line. Hot like, dog. Mustard. <laughs> mustard, cover my six. Macaroni? Did say macaroni? Pretty sure that's not a condiment. <laughs> oh, we're, we're establishing. This is the Golden Corral fleet I'm building here. <laughs> I put macaroni on my hot dog yesterday. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking weirdos up there in New England putting cheese on apple pie. Don't even fucking what? talk to me. <laughs> Not in Massachusetts, dude. <laughs> oh, shit. I know that's a thing. Somebody, when they hear Jeez, this, is going to write in and be like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Oh, that's fucking gross. I don't know where that's a sli- from. Uh, seriously, no joke. A slice of American cheddar on t- melted on top of a, a slice of apple pie. That no, is a no, thing. No, no, no. Apple you can pie get that in restaurants. Apple pie a la mode up here, man. That's a scoop of vanilla ice cream with a warm apple go. pie. The goddamn vanilla melts a little bit. See, there you go. Now you're talking like a real American. That's right. All right, Relish, you're coming in too hot. <laughs> All right. Hey, cubes <laughs> of jello that jiggle too much. <laughs> Stupid names for pilots. <laughs> She just totally treats them like dog shit. <laughs> uh, I love anyway, it. we uh, we what do we got next here? We we got them doing their flight their flight stuff. So Kara's trying to assist Cat. Yes, Cat on her first combat landing. That's what they're you know they, she even says we're going to take uh, practice takeoffs, approaches, and landings. That's our yes. focus right now. Not to be a stickler, but not a combat landing. That's different, right? Oh. Right? Didn't we learn that in the last... A combat landing is, is when they have to come in really hot because they're prepping FTL to jump. Oh, Remember? that's right. Combat that's landings, right. Right. I guess. I think. I might be mistaken there. But so I'm, this is just a regular old yep, landing, just, and she still bungles it up. Right. Well, these are the tough parts uh, when you learn yeah. how to fly is landing these fucking things. That's the truth. So, uh, yeah, that's what we have going on here. Mm-hmm. Not doing yeah. so hot, is she? Don't get she, lost in the lights. I like I like the dialogue here, right? I do. Yeah, she's like just you know Easy put your thrusters forward. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Uh, she overthinks it. You know, I get now. Part of me, I think she was kind of in a way saying to a little, little bit Obi Wan esque of like, don't worry about you know your stats on the screen in front of you so much right now. Just go easy. Watch what you're doing. You that's know, not it. paying attention too much to your screens. Yes. All right, let's move on to 
The debriefing. Oh boy. <laughs> boy, the worse than awful, didn't... wretched beyond belief. <laughs> it's gonna take you weeks. It's gonna take them weeks to what they say, buff out the pock marks in the the landing area. Like, yes. from her denting it up with her landing gear. Yeah, the chief is not gonna be too happy. And uh-huh. she says, "Pack your bags. You're fucking done." And, and I got it. This is a scene where. I like actually, you know, one of the gut nuggets, you know, speaks up and is like, you know, all due respect, God, this is our first day. You're being a little hard on us. And she's like, yeah, well, no, it's your fucking last day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yes. But Obviously, damn. the story we're believing here is Starbucks, a total 180 on not letting any pilot through at this point. And if you're not perfect, you're not making it because she will not be responsible for a pilot death. Yeah. She can't have it on her conscience. She can't anymore. have it again. So then, of course, Lee confronts her. You, Good scene. Uh, he's like, he's like, he looks at the papers like, uh, "What's this? You, you washed <laughs> yeah. him out on the on the first day. What are you doing here?" Mm-hmm. And of course, he breaks down the numbers. We can't even maintain a cap. What are we going to yeah. do? And, and you know, and her her you know quick retort is just like, "Yeah, they weren't good enough, so that's that. I'm not going to put somebody in the cockpit who's not who can't do it." But you know, he and you know, he's saying he's like, "Yeah, you think they're bad? The second round of people we have." aren't even haven't flown you know that's our next draft of picks hasn't even actually flown anything right these are all these are all windows fucking flight simulator nerds we got next not not good not good so let's talk about combat air patrol or cap is that no is that them their ship you know the vipers that come out and surround the battle star and are protecting the fleet Yes. So now this is a this is an Earth term. The okay. combat air patrol is most frequently applied to fighter aircraft patrols guarding a carrier battle group. Ah, okay. Okay. So, uh, CAP or combat air patrol in this sentence or in this context is that it's part of Battle Star's early response and fleet defense posture. One of the things you hear a lot in this show, well, not a lot, but you you may have already heard it in the show already, but you'll hear launch the alert fighters. Yes. That is yeah. also a Navy term that I believe they had something called or, or I, That's I like think, scrambling jets. Those are your people on standby just ready to go any second, right? Basically. Yeah. A lot of time they call them the alert five um, or the ready five, I believe is a term used. Uh, if I pull it up, Ready 5, also referred to as Alert 5 in the film Top Gun, is a condition of high alert for aircraft crews on the flight deck in which they are ready to launch within five minutes. So wow. those are, that's your ready pilots. That's how it works. Aircraft placed on a stream catapult, complete with flight crew, armament, and fuel ready to defend the carrier battle group from unforeseen threats. Mm. So that's, okay, shit's getting hairy. How fast can we get a plane in the sky? That's part of your Alert 5. So those are your danger zone pilots, you would say. That I would, I would absolutely say that they, uh, when a man loves a woman, or if you got, if you can't find that love and feeling anymore, you would certainly dispatch these planes for that purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Straight into right. the danger zone. Straight into. <laughs> but uh, I guess the combat air patrol is sometimes just a defensive 
flying designation where they're actually out and flying a combat air patrol. So they must that's, run this. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like they have yep. they have a handful that are, you know, in rotation to constantly they have somebody in the air. They have yes. some ships just out there, some vipers on the ready. I would imagine that that is something that they do because they are constantly under threat exactly. versus having them on the deck and in ready to go. The combat air patrol is probably used routinely with a couple of vipers set up to intercept any unforeseen threats, and then you got alert fighters because you you you'll hear Adama say launch the alert vipers, and that's people on the alert, the the ready five or the alert five or whatever term they want to use in Battlestar, is now the next wave of guys, and then of course if this shit happens, you set condition one in the fleet, and then all pilots get to their vipers, and then they then there'll be the next wave that comes out. So it's cool to think about again the expertise, the closeness to the military idea of the way things are run that's one of the things i've always liked about trek at least later later trek like next gen and things like that and that's what i like about this show because i like looking into that stuff and knowing that this is being maintained on the ship because it adds a depth of realism to the show that i appreciate oh for sure yeah so can't wash them out i am the flight instructor sir my word is law sir and uh, Lee zeroes in on it, right on Zach. And then, of course, uh, oh, yeah. she's like, I'm going to punch you in the face, basically. And <laughs> she storms. He tells her to bounce. I like that he flexes his authority here. He's yes. not going to be bullied. Step back. That's it. Uh, that's good, good shit. And then we get another cut for crashing. And then we have Lee and Adama talking in a really good scene. Uh, so yeah. this scene goes as follows, and then we'll talk about it. So Adama trusts Starbucks assessment. Lee comes in. He's got things to talk about. Zach comes up. What do you mean? You'll have to ask her, Dad. You'll have to ask her. He breaks Ugh. the whole chain of command and really levels with Pops here. He uh, does. What a, what a scene, you know? Sit down. Uh, what, what, what are those feelings? It's right? so – I love the, the turn in this scene because, you know, it's a misunderstanding that undoes it all. You know, he – I guess – I guess Lee understood that uh, his father was somewhat close to Starbuck and knew, knew her fairly well and respected her. But I think this is the first time he gets that real idea of, oh, they're very close. you know. And uh, Cap- Commander Adama says that. He's like, we've been on the ship over two years together. Right? We know each other very well. We've talked about you know a lot of things. And him saying that in Lee's mind, he's like, oh, so this is old news to him. He knows about – you know, because he, exactly. he said, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, he's like he knows about what the situation was with Zach, and they must have already talked about that. He said that he, yeah, we've talked about Zach. She acknowledged it, you know, and so there's that turn where he's like, all right, well, you know, she was feeling guilt about it, and then that word is is the signal flare for you know the commander of like, what do you mean guilt? Guilt has nothing to do with it. Yes, and that's when he's like, oh fuck, I fucked up. <laughs> he didn't actually know about that side of things. Right, because Lee's the, the the sentences. I think she's trying to work out her guilt about Zach. What did what? she do for Zach? Yeah, what did she and, do for him? Uh, In a Lee's hard, face. Right oh, there. it's great. Jesus. That hard zoom on him. It's 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 some. It's like he just realized he forgot his pants. He's like, oh. yeah. I <laughs> I felt so bad for him right there because he is truly again. I like that we're getting this kind of consistency from Lee because he is the character trying to navigate that middle way again. He's trying to just do right by everybody and do what needs to be done. He's not trying to screw over anybody. He's trying to go about the situation in a sensitive way. And he fucked up just on accident, you know, just just a little miscommunication. He thought that the commander knew more than he did. Yep, and, I like that. Uh, and and I love, yeah, again that we have that moment where they they step outside of rank, or you know, he's like, Captain, come back, and he goes, Dad, 
you have to ask her. That's Not, right. I've already said too much. The next moment is great when you have Kara standing at her locker and you hear, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you get the you get the sense that that was like all of thirty seconds right. after Lee walked out of the right. room. He's like, okay, something's going on. Get her ass in here, boy. You don't want to get that call. That's like. <laughs> Matthew Anderson, please report to the principal's office. For Matthew a Anderson. Firm, a firm yet very just paddling. <laughs> well deserved. So let's talk about the scene. This is it. So oh, Adama and Kara, they meet up. And then, of course, uh, he asks her, he gets right into the washing of the nugget, nuggets, asks her about her personal feelings. Kara reassures him that there's no problem with what happened with Zach. I'm good. So she's, she's, she's trying to avoid this at all costs. Yeah. And when he says, he said something else, something I'd like to ask you directly. He said that you might have been feeling guilty about something you did for Zach. What did you do for him? And she tries to parry it away right there. Well, you just have to ask him. I'm asking you. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't fence uh, with me, Kara. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. And it's so, the layers of pain that are being added on top of you. Don't fence with me. I love you like a daughter. Uh, I don't deserve that. Oof. Like, oh, gee, oh, twisting the knife. It's breaking my ribs. This is so incredibly dramatic. When oh, he yeah. draws that mouth of his into a tight line, you can hear him breathing. You can hear him breathing heavy. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we flash to her remembering Adama, blah, blah, blah. We didn't need all that. And then, and I mean, even just the way, the, the blocking of the scene, you know, it starts out with him behind his desk, super official, like any fucking commander probably would stand and be. But he comes out from around that desk when he starts being like, let's, yes. let's get down to it and gets real close to her. You know, I this, mean, is this is they, his yes. move. This is his move. It's very intimate. Like you, if you're going to lie to me, you are going to look me right in the fucking eyes and have to lie to me. I want to feel the heat of your skin. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he's really on top of her here. He is. And boy, what a great piece of acting by Katie Sackhoff and by Edward James Olmos. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's Uh, great. It's It's great. You know, we, we beat up the episode a little bit. We just gave it a couple of gut punches, but overall we gave it a hug and, and we went out and got drinks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is this scene is one of the finest in the show at this point. Uh, you know, you did it because you're engaged. Kara breaks down. You one thing you never see with Kara Thrace is vulnerability, yeah. and nobody can make her feel vulnerable like this guy in her past. Yeah, I think really the only things. I mean, <laughs> how much else? She will brush everyone else off and walk away. She yeah. cannot do that with this guy. Yeah, he commands absolutely. too much respect, and even for a rebel even for a renegade in the fleet she just is compelled to stand next to him and answer for her discrepancies yeah absolutely and, and it's she's because crying her eyes out yeah and because they're you know i, I like this is where the, i like the flashbacks and i do think there's there's use in them you know we get another flashback in this scene uh, in the you know kind of breaking up that revelation from her after she really comes out with it and says you know he didn't have the chops i yes. shouldn't have passed him yes. and i did and then we get that flashback of them walking together right literally after they first met this is their first conversation yep. and you know he and he's saying you know he talked a lot about you he said you you know you two were something and that he was serious and this is when they you know he basically is like you were engaged that's right you? that's right and they this is her he's a military commander he's her superior he's already somebody who has a reputation and his first interaction with her is to comfort her 
in her time of mourning, in their mutual time of mourning. And that's what he is to her. He has stepped in. He stepped in as a as a father figure before, you know, a commanding officer. Right. That's what he is to and her. And now he's learning that he was going to be her father-in-law. Yeah. Had things literally. gone as planned. But no, yeah. not so much. And, you know, because I made a mistake, because I was just I was just so in love with him and I let that get in the way of doing my job and on and on. I didn't want to crush him. And the subtext of this next statement where Adama just says, reinstate the trainees to flight status. Yeah. <sighs> again, that's a that's a, a way of just saying also, again, like he was saying with the earlier you know crew when he was addressing all of them, deal with it. That's you, it. You are going to fucking get through it. That's right. It comes right back from the opening scene where he's in the pilot ready room. Deal with it is the subtext here. Yeah. And then whenever she says, no, 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 I want you to understand. And he just says, do your job and walk out of this cabin while you still can. I did not, for one, I did not think this was going to end. Like I was saying earlier, when, when they, when she first walked in the room and the way he was addressing her, I was like, this isn't going to be, uh, I forgive you, honey. Oh, it's okay. Like, and I didn't think he was going to go so far to be like, better walk out of here while you still can. But I knew it wasn't going to be a happy ending. But fuck, I was surprised by that line of, wow, that really, that brought it so to the surface for him that he feels like he can barely contain himself. I think he's also trying to send a message to her here. I think he's, I think he's speaking to her in a language that she very much understands. Mm-hmm. We know that when she gets mad, Sometimes the fists will fly. And I think that he's telling her he never would. I don't think. I don't think no, he ever no. would. But I think he what he's saying here is is that listen, walk out of here while you still can is a good way for him to demonstrate to her that he's so upset with her that he has to say this. And boy, is it effective. She about faces, puts her hands on her head. When she yeah. when he says that to her and she just her, her her shaking lip and her fluttering eyes and the tears and the head goes down and she walks out with her hands on her head, devastated. Oh, She's devastated that yeah. this man that she has a lot of respect for and that has looked after her like a daughter feels this way about her. She she could she'd rather be punched in the face. Oh yeah, than oh, have absolutely. this man this upset with her, and that's what stunned so well here. It it really highlights. It makes the Kara Thrace character better. Absolutely. It makes yeah. her better because we see that she's not this Johnny unflappable all the time. That Absolutely. things can get to her and that especially people in authority can get to her. And that's what I love about this so much. And it's not just because he is the commander. I get that. A lot of it has to do with their personal relationship. Yeah. But it's a nice way to see the Starbucks character in a different light and it adds another layer and that's something we've talked a lot about in the show is the layer of character to her and we yeah. saw it with leon bastille day and we're seeing it with kara on this episode and it's excellent absolutely it's and a then, shared a shared wound between them that's right and that's really that's you know the more i think about it that's that's the bond between starbuck apollo and the commander they have this shared loss that they all have together and they're all dealing with it in their own way yes. which i feel like Lee has come to terms with it, come to peace, especially with his own father from, you know, the perspective he doesn't, I don't think he blames his father anymore. Obviously he understands the truth of what really happened. And I think he's more at peace with it because of having a little bit longer time to process that. Sure. And, And that's why, right? Lee, Lee has the benefit of having dealt with it and not being responsible for it. Yeah. 
there you go. Kara is responsible for it and has never really confronted it because the truth has never been out there. And now Adam is getting it for the first time and he has to confront it now. He has to deal with it. Plus, outside of the personal aspect of this, Kara Thrace is ultimately his responsibility. So yeah. how does he deal with that? So it's mm-hmm. personal and professional, which is a unique situation, and I love that. Yeah. And not only that, even if, you know, in a, in a, in a different world where things aren't being overrun by Cylons, you maybe would, uh, you're going to be punished for this. You're going to have to serve time, or maybe you're going to be demoted. But that's not your option here, where she is still your absolute, by far, best pilot. Like, sure. That's, that's not even an option. We can't even get into that. Sure. Part. Sure. So Kara reinstates the Nuggets, unpack your gear. Those of you who can be trained safely will be passed, and those of you who can't will be cut. I'm going to do my job. She's parroting the lesson she just got. Yep. She is saying, okay, done deal. I'm going to, I understand you. Cat, Chuckles, and Hot Dog are up first. They're very happy. I like that. We see the pilots doing some moves. Never leave your leader. You don't want to be out here alone in the CIC. This is a great moment. I don't know if you, you probably catch it because you're paying attention, but we <laughs> see Ty go, oh, cut under Star look. She might actually make pilots out of him. And Adama shoots him a look. Yeah. As yeah. he's coming in, he's like, if you only fucking knew, I love that moment. <laughs> and I think, and you know, and Lee is, of course, no, you know, he knows that he called Starbuck and he knows he talked to her. And I think Ty gives him a kind of look of like, what? I complimented your girl. Aren't you happy I'm finally yes. complimenting her? Yes. Shit. What's up with you, wishy-washy assholes? <laughs> but when you see Lee, Lee, when Lee sees Adama come in and he shoots that look, Lee's butt puckers up real nice. Oh, yeah. He's, He's like, like, oh, oh no, what happened? <laughs> oh, he knows now. The truth so, is out. Unfortunately, Dreda's contact, second edition one, Cylons, no base ship, and uh, Starbucks like, go home. We got eight Raiders coming in. Starbuck turns tail, and this is where we hear, where are the alert fighters, right? Yeah. The term we were just talking about. Starbuck tells the Nuggets to go home full throttle. She spins around and engages eight. She's going to take on all eight and get herself killed, Ty says. Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Hot dog Again, goes back for her. The subtext here uh, now emerges of, is she being reckless because ah. of this conversation? Is is she going a little more head-on than she knows is actually better to do because she's just so pissed off and so feeling like it's not worth it. Doesn't Maybe. give a shit about her own safety. I like your I like where your head's at here. I think what you got here is Starbuck is a warrior number one. Mm-hmm. She's not afraid to to make risky decisions. Number two, I think that you have Starbuck is the kind of person who might think she deserves some kind of punishment. Yeah, and she's got to work out these feelings, and these feelings are very heavy that she's got going on with Adama, and maybe getting into a dogfight with many raiders is going to be exactly what the doctor ordered for her mentally. Uh, exactly. And right? I mean, you know, it's one of those things, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a stereotype, not trying to reduce all athletes or, you know, intensive people to a, a trope, but at the same time, a boxer gets broken up with his, by his girlfriend. He's probably not going to want to go have a, like a long heart to heart with his best male friend. He probably wants to go punch a boxing bag. Like that's, sure. that's what they do. You know, she's a warrior who just got, you know, dressed down by the person she respects most in the world 
oh, here's a chance to engage in a fucking dogfight, the thing I'm amazing at, and I kick ass. Yeah, fuck it. Let's get in there. Let's fight and shoot some rounds and take out Cylons. Yeah, and I think that's a very human response for the most part, and that's engaging in the thing that you love and that you have some semblance of control over to take your mind off of whatever it is that's lingering there, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be a part of the recipe here. Absolutely. So she starts to cut through the raiders. Adama is now concerned. We get shots of them in the CIC. Uh, Comes down to one remaining raider pretty quickly, and then her wireless and transponder wink out. Oh, yeah. So she is off there. They're tracking. But we quickly realize she's still battling, manages to destroy. However, a midair collision knocks her viper into a spin, and she gets dragged into the atmosphere of a large planet below. There we go. Again, an accident. Another act. It, it was a Cylon she'd already taken out, actually. It was yep. dead. It was just a big hunk of, you know, junk flying, you know, hurtling by at that point. And it just happened to nick that one part of her ship and kill controls, kill power. I like it because what we see here is, is that we see that this type of warfare is close. Wild. It's wild. Yeah. It's yeah. close and crazy shit happens. It's not just I shoot you, you die, or you shoot me, I die. There's messy shit that happens. Collisions, near misses, crashes, accidents. Yes. And I'm I'm watching that scene again right now. When she, for one, I also, two things. (laughs) I love, again, the dogfighting in this show so much because they're whipping around backwards while going, you know, they're going forward and they can whip around completely 180 degrees almost instantly. Like, that is so unique. I have not seen dogfighting in any movie or show like this. It is so fun to watch. But that moment when she takes out the Cylon, you know, they're basically playing chicken. She takes out the Cylon in it, you know, is now dead and hurtling towards her. It's so quiet. This is the accident I liked watching. It's just quiet. You could, oh, cool, she got him. Wait, it's still flying right towards her, and then boom, it just nicks her, and you see her drip, her viper just start to list lifelessly away, and you're like, oh, fuck. You know, the gravity of the accident sinks on you slowly, where you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, they got him, but she's she's out. She's done. Like, she can't get back now. That's right. And part of me wonders if whatever it is that is on her mind that probably returned as the adrenaline came down, did that distract her enough to allow this derelict craft to crash into her? I mean, she's a great pilot. She should have avoided that writer. Is that yeah. part of it? Is part of it we want to show accidents? This is an episode of accidents. Could be a bit mm-hmm. of both. That is true. Yeah, I like, I mean, I do think it's it's a it's a cute little button to put on the end to open with an accident and end with a, you know, a strange, unpredictable accident. I also like that we're in the fourth episode and Starbuck has essentially been taken out. Yes. She's yeah. taken out already. This has got to be a morale blow when you see a pilot like Starbuck going down. Ooh, big time. You just lost 13, and now now your best one by far? By far. She's forced to eject, and then, I bet you didn't see this coming, to be continued. You had to be looking at your watch, right? Oh, oh yeah. I was like, holy shit. Is this really how it's going to be? <laughs> and I loved it. I love this ending. I love the to yep. be continued. The, all of it. It's fantastic. Awesome. So that's the episode, man. It is done. We are going to get to some final thoughts in just a moment. But before we do that, Matthew, what do you say we get into some trivia? Let us. I hope you have prayed to the gods of Cobol or the one true god if you're a Cylon. (laughs) True. I'm not sure. I have yet to create my Cylon detector. (laughs) So we'll have to wait. But I got some questions for you for next week. All right. Hit me. 
I'm going to hit you hard, motherfucker. And I'm going to actually write down your answers this time. <laughs> instead, of being a knucklehead, <laughs> instead of being a knucklehead. All right. This is going to be a true and false again. Ooh, okay. Okay. Gaius pressures Roslyn to consider abandoning the search for Starbuck for a fear of the Cylons returning during the search efforts. So in other words, Gaius is going to pressure Roslyn to abandon the search for Starbuck because he's concerned that the Cylons are going to return. I'll say two things. For one, I'll say false, and I'm going to go ahead and bet right now, you tricky fucking dickster, that it's Rosalind who wants to abandon the search, and he just convinces her to carry on with it. Wowza. Next. <laughs> Kara finds a downed raider on the surface of this planet, and the pilot has a familiar face. What? <laughs> oh, but I, I thought they were unmanned, but I love that. I want that to be true. Oh, shit. True. Oh, I right. think it's wrong, but I want it so bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Adama relieves Colonel Ty of command when the colonel challenges his decision to maintain a dangerous search for Starbuck. True. I like that a lot. Powerful. Roslyn travels to the Galactica and convinces Adama to terminate search and rescue operations for Carathrace. True. Boosh. You're a powerhouse right now. You're just going nuts. <laughs> no hesitation. I like that. Caprica Boomer and Hilo are captured by Centurions. Hmm. That one's really tricky. Shit. And, 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 and it doesn't mean that, just to make it clear, this assume this this regardless of if you think Boomer's in on it or not, it can you. I'm not going to get cute with the definition of captured. Yeah. Oh yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um. Damn. I'm going to also say true. Actually, that's also true. This is our song of exalted joy. Boy, we only came to kick some ass. All right. True. There's a lot of T's up in here. Okay. Okay. Well. You've got your answers locked and loaded. And uh, just as a reminder, here are your answers. Gaius pressure your answers, not the answers. Yeah. Gaius pressures Roslyn to consider abandoning the search for fear of the Cylons returning during their search efforts. False. Kara finds a downed raider on the surface of the planet, and the pilot has a familiar face. Mm-hmm. You said true on that. I did. Adama relieves Ty. <laughs> Of command when the colonel challenges his decision to maintain a dangerous search for Starbuck. True. Mm. Roslyn travels to the Galactica and convinces Adama to terminate the search and rescue operation for Kara. True. And finally, Caprica, Boomer, and Healer are captured by Centurions. True. Lots of teas. Lots of teas, motherfucker. <laughs> Playing T-ball over here. Playing T-ball. All right, so... That brings us to final thoughts for active contrition. Matthew, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Indulge me. Ooh. Well, I still maintain that on the whole, pretty good episode, but the weakest so far. Um, had some flaws, had a rough, rough start. Weird, weird getting along to where we finally had to go. Uh, flashbacks, not the greatest. So a few good moments in there. Mainly, I like getting this close-up on Carathrace, on Starbuck, and on her relationship with the commander. That's the best stuff of the episode. 
And again, the action, the dogfighting at the end is all handled wonderfully. Um, we're still getting only very micro, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to worry, not like worry, but I wonder, <laughs> I, I see the, the mystery of the Cylons being something that we're not even close to, not even close to an answer into like season two, three, almost like I'm wondering with these little tiny glimpses and teases we're getting, I'm like, shit, is this going to be a really long hanging mystery? We're like always going to be clamoring for answers because we're getting smaller and smaller looks at uh, the Caprica situation. Um, but I still, I like it all. It's interesting. I like I it. Really, I'm just thirsty for answers. Thirsty. Um, thirsty. But, uh, but yeah, this is, this is a good episode. I really hope that the next episode being a to be continued one is again, super focused. As I'm saying it, I, I just started to worry that it's going to be one of those episodes where we don't see Starbuck at all. And it's everybody clamoring around searching for her and all the characters in the fallout of her disappearing. <laughs> I'm so- Dude, you are so, you are so <laughs> beaten down by the dog shit tropes from the walking dead <laughs> you are so beaten down by that fucking titanic takes oh, three hours Jesus. to sink piece of shit that i still watch <laughs> i am literally as i was saying it i was what i was going to say i'm so looking forward to a maybe you know an enemy mind style episode fucking Kara thrace on a planet trying to survive a few glimpses in on the cic but we a really focused tight on starbuck episode but as i was predicting that i was like oh fuck it's gonna be one of those things we don't see her at all we see her at the very end to see that she's alive and that's it or some shit i hope it's not that i i do hope what i really sincerely hope is that it is almost a a singular Starbuck episode. Cause that's what I wanted to see here. That's where I thought it was going with the fact that it opened on her and it was going to be almost just her, which it's largely her here, but I really, I want more Starbuck. Um, that's what this episode is reinforced for me. How, how much depth there is to her that I cannot wait to get into. I, I generally speaking concur with uh, what you're saying here. I think that, one of the one of the things I loved about this episode when I first watched it, one of the things I still love about it today, is is that this. And, and here's what I'll give you: I'll give you a perspective then and a perspective now. Mm. When I first watched Act of Contrition, I got swept into the flashback, so oh. I don't want to. I got swept into the way they made me feel, the way I felt while watching them. And unfortunately, this is one of those things where now that I've done uh, up, upwards of close to 200 podcasts already between all the TV shows and films that we've done, and now that I'm forced to look at things and research things, the more I find myself saying, oh, I see what you're doing here, you bastard. You're trying to trick me to feel something with your fancy <laughs> tricks, right? When I was a more innocent and less educated viewer, I did not see it as that. And now when I'm watching it, that sticks out to me as more of an annoyance than it once upon a time did. But on the flip side of that, I understand the reason for it in a serialized television show, and I'm willing to forgive it. But yeah. it still sticks out to me. I still, it's still, it, 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 it is apparent to me. I'm not saying it's bad and it's terrible. I liked Act of Contrition. In fact, if I want to rate Act of Contrition one out of five fiery Adama speeches. I give it a solid three, 3.5. 
Okay. 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 If I if I was going to go on the letter system, which we've done only once before, and I don't want to make too much of a habit of it, but I would actually probably call this a C plus B minus episode. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So there you have it. That's our discussion on active contrition. Do you want to tell anything to these wonderful people before we go? Hmm. Other than thank you for listening. I don't have too Mm. much more in mind. I will. If you like what you are hearing here, do us a favor. Go to amazon.libertystreetgeek.net to do all of your Amazon shopping. Well, l- our let me slow you down there, Dean. I think we're making a pretty big assumption that Amazon's going to exist by the time we release this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't trust these small businesses. Yeah, I tell you what, they really look like they're going under soon. <laughs> So amazon.libertystreetgeek.net, please do your shopping through that. You can save that as a portal. You can check it out. And don't forget to look at our other shows. All will be revealed if you go to libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net to see what we have going on over there. And uh, yeah, that's it. I'm looking forward to the next episode. And I hope you are too, buddy. What will Starbucks' fate be? Uh, I hope there are other people again. My biggest hope is that there are other people watching this along with me, keeping up with it, not looking ahead. It's their first time. So I have other people out there to commiserate with, to (laughs) wonder and cliffhang. All right, brother. We are out of here. (laughs) 